thought you were having a lucky day, weren't I, you? I, I did. <laughs> I thought it was my my day. All right, we'll tell the story. You tell the story. It's your story. All right, so John and I are walking through the parking lot. We're going to go to lunch. And he stops, and he's like, hey, what's this? He picks up a folded up $5 bill. And our parking lot has capacity for what? 2,000, 3,000 cars. Not a, not a small parking lot. And in this giant parking lot, you know, he finds this $5 bill. And I was like, hey, you know what? That's mine. He's like, and of course, he doesn't believe me. He's like, what? Um, I said, no, seriously, I've had that in my front pocket. And like every time I pull my <laughs> keys out, it falls out. I keep picking it up and I must have just missed it. I don't think he believed me. So well, I, I had, this, is, this is the coincidental part. I found that, doll, that $5 bill in a parking lot at a gas station a week ago. Yeah. But when I found it, I took a picture of it and texted my wife and said, hey, it's my lucky day. And that was my proof to you <laughs> that that was mine. Well, at first I didn't believe you, but then your reaction was so genuine. I don't, there was just something about your reaction. Like I can usually tell when you're trying to mess with me. That's but, because uh, I was so surprised that yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. Could that possibly be the same $5 bill that I Plus found it, a week ago? I, I knew where you normally park and it seemed rational in my head that you would walk that way. So yeah. it seemed, seemed plausible, I guess. Yeah. But uh, maybe I should get like a percentage of that as a, you know, finder fee. I think so, huh? Well, you did get lunch. Oh, that's right. I did get lunch. Yeah. Thank you, by the way. Um, so, okay, because of the um, super exciting, hashtag awesome, amazing Salesforce release last week of Lightning, the Lightning Experience, is the that what lightning the experience. Lightning Experience? Uh, we, we completely glossed over. We just didn't have time for Salesforce's Q2 2016 earnings results. So these are always fun to look at, at least for me, because I, I like checking out the uh, the financials. But it's kind of just more of the same. Uh, it was kind of just on par. They they bet, you know, because these co- public companies, they set expectations throughout the quarter of, of where they're going to come in at. And they, they came in like right in line. So revenue was uh, about a billion and a half. And so they're on, I guess they're on their run. What's he talking about now? The run rate of six, I think six and a half billion for, for the year. They've got two more quarters to go. Mm-hmm. Um, the revenue revenues, at least for Q2, were up year over year, twenty two percent. So pretty pretty good growth rate still, although not the thirty five percent that they used to brag about. Um, they okay. So last quarter, Q1, there was they actually eked out a little four million dollar profit because they they were able to cancel some lease and got some value back from that. Um, but this year they're kind of back in the, or this quarter they're back in the red, but just barely, like not even a million dollars. And if you compare that to last year, this quarter, they lost $61 million. So they've trimmed their losses quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, even $61 million in the grand scheme of things, considering they're a $6 billion company, is not a lot. But still going from a $61 million loss to almost breaking even is actually pretty good. And on the con- I, didn't, I didn't take any clips from the conference call. I did listen to it, mainly because I like to listen to. Was there no underlying theme of buzzwords? Oh, no, it was just, it was a lot of the same stuff. Yeah. But, you know, 10 billion, you know, non-gap, non-gap, non-gap. Um, deferred revenue, deferred revenue, yeah, deferred um, revenue. Deferred revenue, SAP, Oracle, you know, we're the fastest to this, the fastest to that. And, what, and you know, of course, I've looked those numbers up. And most of them aren't really aren't true. Um, but, and in fact, the interesting thing is, the thing is you know, okay, fastest to 6 billion. Okay, well, you know what? When Microsoft was at six billion dollars, they were printing about two billion dollars in cash. You know, there's, and, and again, this is this is the theme of Salesforce. They're they seem to be 
wanting to, their, their biggest thing, their obsession is overtaking all the software companies. Right now, it's, I think, who's the next one, SAP or is it Oracle? I don't know, but they're obsessed, right? They're obsessed with it. They're obsessed with getting a $10 billion. And if it means they're not going to make any money, instead of making a billion a year, they're going to make zero or, or they'll lose money. They'll lose money if they have to. That is their, that is the thing. They're going to grow to 10 billion, however they have to do it to get there. So they can kill these other competitors. Now, the question for investors, because we're talking about earnings, is, is mm-hmm. will that pay off? You know, because right now, as I've mentioned, I mean, Salesforce is even if you if you even if you look at their ratios of because you can't really look at their EPS because it's just negative. They have earnings are negative. But if you look at like price per cash flow or these because right now, actually, Benioff and what's the new uh, Mark Hawkins? That's the new CFO that replaced Graham. What's his name? Graham Smith or something. Um, their um, their thing now is uh, they produce a lot of cash flow. They're, they had good operating cash flow. Okay, fine. Let's look at cash flow. So even if you look at what they're trading at per cash flow, it's still they're still very highly valued. That means that just investors have a lot of confidence that they are when at some point they will hit either you know leverage or some kind of economies of scale. To say a six million dollar company doesn't have economies of scale is kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have. They have uh, this in, another interesting Six fact. Million. Sorry, no. using million interchangeably. I think. Yeah, no, I was looking for the number of employees they're up to now. It's uh, I want to say it's around seventeen thousand, seventeen thousand six hundred twenty-two. A lot of employees. <laughs> yeah, um, but no, at some point, you know, if they decided to, once they hit, like, okay, we were bursting through. We wanted to grow as fast as we can because it's a lab gra- land grab or whatever else, whatever the justification is. Okay, we're done with that. We're ha- kind of happy at our where we are. Um, market share wise and our position in the marketplace. Uh, well, now we're going to start focusing on profitability. And, and in this call in the earnings call, Mark did Mark, Mark Benioff talked about, they're going to ha- they are, they are having an increased focus on profitability. They certainly can. I mean, they could, they could, they could right now they could snap their fingers and be immediately profitable in a significant way. Was that a central theme of the call or was it just kind of a passing no, comment? No, it's that- more of a passing comment. He's, I think last quarter he talked about it a little bit, but th- there was a, just a little bit more emphasis on the fact that they are going to be focusing on profitability. So, you know, I think it seems like they're wanting to start route, you know, turning that corner, mm-hmm. but man, well, they, I mean, you get a taste for it for a little bit and you're, you want to keep that going, right? I don't know. It depends on what, what your drug of choice is. Is it, is it killing your competitor, your ex boss? Is it getting to 10 billion? Is it being the fastest of this or, you know, whatever, um, what I don't know what you know. It's whatever floats your boat, I guess. But uh, so um, and I started seeing this story a couple of months ago. But their gross profit is actually slipping a little bit. Hmm. So, so even even though they've narrowed their losses, that that's happened because they've cut expenses. Their actual gross profit is slipping slightly, and and I, I still think it's but just because of data center costs. But I you know I looked through the whole uh, through the whole report, and they just don't break out data center costs the closest thing they have is um i believe it's probably expenses directly associated with revenue Mm -hmm. so if you look at uh let's see what yeah just cost of revenue i'm on the wrong screen here but um yeah so basically the cost of delivering their subscription support revenue for the quarter was 292 million dollars i think a big chunk of that is data is is data center because r&d is not in that that's a separate thing yeah so r&d is not considered a direct cost of delivering the service completely separate. It's not associated with the sales. So, so yeah, I don't know, you know, cause they're building out, 
data centers and international and things. And that's, uh, I'm guessing that's what that is. Um, so long-term that's theoretically would be a good thing. Um, R and D costs are, are da- actually down too. It press a percentage though. So they usually float around 16% of sales and they're actually down to 14% of sales. So that's one area actually where they've, I guess as a percentage of sales there, they've cut a little bit. Yeah. That's interesting considering we have a lot of new initiatives coming out from them. Lightning experience. Yeah. It's, you know, the other thing, the other concern there is, okay, how are, how are they increasing their surface area yet at the same time cutting R and D costs? Yeah. And, and again, they're not cutting in a, at a, at a whole number of level there at, or at, 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 in absolute terms. It's, it's, they're decreasing as a percentage of revenue. So they're still going up, right. just not as fast as revenue is going up. Um, but the concern there is, are they spreading them? I mean, I think that's one of my concerns about Salesforce in general is they're, they have a lot of products. Um, I don't want to say none of them, but you know, generally not best of breed, but the, the, the value here, again, people talk about this, the platform, right? It's the platform right. it's, or it's the fact that they're to some degree or another tied together. Um, you know, I don't think it's a best of breed application development platform. It's, you know, is it a best of breed? I don't know. I mean, there, there's certain core things. I think, you know, the CRM and service aspect, you know, I think, I think you could definitely make a, a, a case there, but a lot of these other things, they're, they're either new to new entrants, whether it's analytics or uh, social and these other things. I think, mm-hmm. of course, of course, everybody's new to the social and marketing, you know, the digital marketing, I think for the most part, but um. Let's see. So R&D. Okay. Um, R&D is 60%. Oh, yeah. So it, R&D went from 16% to 14%. Um, so here's the, the, the kicker, though, for Salesforce. This is what hurts them. SGNA, which includes sales and marketing. Oh, was it selling in general and administrative? 60% of sales. So 60% of the revenue is essentially going to selling and marketing costs. Um, they are just loaded to the gills with salespeople. Um, and you keep seeing these, I, and I keep reading these articles that are talking about um, because again, because Salesforce is the poster child for for SaaS, um, and they're not profitable still. You know, sixteen year old company, six and a half billion dollars, still not profitable. In fact, they used to be profitable ten years, five, ten years ago, but they haven't been in, I think, eighteen quarters, excluding last quarter where they had that accident where they canceled a lease. But um, yeah, is is there something wrong with the model? Like, yeah. And the thing is, is like, let's say, you know, you're a salesperson, you work really hard, you sell a, a you know, big three-year deal, right? Well, Salesforce can't, can't even reckon, they have to pay him for that deal, right? They have to pay for all the selling costs now. I don't think they're amortized over the length of the contract, right? But they don't collect the money on that contract until, usually, until as the contract is delivered. Right. So even if you just sign a, a one-year sales, uh, contract with Salesforce, you probably don't have to pay them all up front. You can probably pay quarterly, I would imagine, they might give you an incentive for paying up for paying it all up front. But if you sign a three-year contract, you're certainly not paying all three years up front. You at most you're paying probably annually. So so it they're again, they're, they're what I'm saying, my point is is they're they're incurring all that expense for selling up front, but they don't get to collect the revenue for that. That's the all that's that's the deferred revenue. Mm-hmm. That is deferred revenue. And in right. and in, in addition to deferred revenue, unbilled revenue. Like if you sign a three-year contract, I don't even think they can consider years two and three of that bill yet. It's it's the first year that's deferred. That's just the nature of the subscription model. It I mean, is. It is. And so this it's is not like the classic model of software. You you mm-mm. buy a product and there you go. You 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 can and you can yeah. recognize that revenue immediately. You know you sell a you know you sell a lot you know a hundred thousand dollars worth of SQL Server licenses. Mm-hmm. You recognize it immediately. There is right. no deferred. You know, there's no trying to match those expenses to the costs. It's it's much simpler. 
but anyway, I mean, like I said, Salesforce is the, they're the poster child here. And so everyone looks at them as the model and does this model work? Does it, you know, cloud computing and software service, it, the whole point of it, it's, it's supposed to, it's supposed to be cheaper. You're sharing these resources across all these customers. Why is it not? Why can't Salesforce do it in a way that it doesn't cost them more to sell it than it, than they do, than they get on revenue from it. So, but again, I, you know, th- those are the questions that get raised. I, I still think that Salesforce could easily, if they wanted to, be profitable. It's just they're they're choosing to just to grow like crazy. That's yeah. That it's a different strategy. Um, sales cloud. What percentage of sales cloud do you think is is makes up Salesforce? What percentage of the revenue is sales cloud? It's got to be top. It's got to be. We should, we should turn this into a quiz. <laughs> I've got a few of these. I'll say eighty percent. Forty-four percent. Really? That's small. Yep. Forty-four percent of sales cloud. Um, so is 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 it divvied up equally across service then, or marketing? Well, well, okay. So what what percentage of their revenue do you think is service cloud? Uh, let's say twenty-five. Twenty-nine percent. So between sales cloud and service cloud, what is that? Seventy-three percent. So those you know those those two make up you know the lion's share of their business. Yeah. Here's what's interesting though. Guess what sales cloud's growth rate is, percentage wise, annual. How much is it growing per year? So Salesforce is growing at what? 20, it's probably 25? growing less. Salesforce is, and it has a whole is growing at twenty five percent a year. Just rough number. What do you think? What do you think Sales Cloud is growing at? Twenty. Ten percent. Mm. And I've been talking about yeah. how I feel like they're hitting a they're hitting a plateau. That's why they're going broad. Yeah. There's just even though they've only got sixteen percent market share or whatever the number is, it's just you hit how do you hit some some kind of limit where, I mean, it, it already costs too much to sell it. I mean, you can work hard and get you can work hard to get more revenue, but it's it's going to it's like it's like the peak oil concept. <laughs> you, you familiar with peak oil? No. It's just this idea that at some point it's it's going to get we're we're going to run out of the easier sources sources of oil. Oh yeah. And so it it becomes more expensive to get the oil out of the ground than what it's worth. Right. And it's like I feel like they've hit peak CRM. <laughs> it's gonna you yeah sure you can raise your market share, but it's going to cost you more than what it's worth. I don't know. I think lately they've kind of transitioned to focusing so much on the enterprise that it kind of became almost unobtainable for a lot of people on the just the wanted professional versions and things like that. I'm, I'm not sure I follow you. I guess th- when, when they transitioned from kind of the small medium business to focusing on enterprise, they put a lot of effort into that, which means they increased their marketing and sales costs and everything because they're focusing on much bigger deals that take longer cycles to complete and everything. Right. And, and so I, you know, I think they, if they kind of stayed in the small to medium business, they could have continued to grow market share just by volume. Well, they still are in the small and medium business. But it wasn't like their focus. I mean, their pricing, their models, their features, everything they're doing as of late has kind of been very enterprise focused. All the tooling and everything, the cost structure. I can think of so many counter examples of that. I mean, look at how they're, how much they're pushing work.com and some of these entry level or Yeah, because those were through acquisitions. But think about the Salesforce CRM platform itself. Think about professional edition. You can't do anything with it other than what comes out of the box. That hasn't changed. It's never, that's never been any different. Right. In fact, they've added features to professional edition that used to be enterprise only. Yeah, but I'm just saying, I think, I think with lightning and everything that might be more attractive to more customers. I mean, I I think, okay, so here's why I'll agree with you. I think over the years they have slowly transitioned to enterprise, but there's been no like cutover or we're going to stop investing in SMB or whatever. I mean, 
I, no, it's not a matter of them saying that they're going to stop investing it. I just think their target, their their target customer, the the ones that they really go after, the one that their sales reps will go. Do I go after mom and pop for for five licenses, or do I try to go after you know, you know, big guy over here with a hundred licenses? Their yeah. focus has been enterprise, and I those mean, those are longer yeah. cycles. There's there's a lot less in that. I mean the the sea of fish in that sea is is smaller because they're bigger. Right. Right. And there works. I mean, the, 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 well, the reason you still go after the small and medium business is because it is a short sales cycle and it, you don't spend much time on it and it's, you know, it's cheaper to sell to. Um, and I've never seen any kind of market share diagram or numbers that say, okay, here's the market share for enterprise, here's the market share for small to medium. So I'm not sure what that breakdown looks yeah, like. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure once you get on the more on the enterprise side, it's the, it's the big, it's Salesforce, Oracle. I think, um, I think the smaller guys, Microsoft. they're, they're in an industry. There's options for them, at least at their level. They're smaller systems, but they're very specific and tailored to their industry. And I think that's where Salesforce is probably losing out in terms of market share. And because they're so focused on adding enterprise features, you know, there was really nothing they were offering to to some of these smaller guys who who are who are looking for something a little more than just standard CRM. Well, and the interesting thing about you know, every once in a while, I feel like they're coming back around to small and medium because. I feel like that's wh- that's where the foundation is going to start rotting away if they don't keep feeding it. It's going to get e- it's getting eaten away by by smaller, more nimble uh, uh, solutions that are focused focused on small, medium business CRM, right? And again, the value of Salesforce is the fact that it's this platform, and you know you can tie all these things together and you can extend them, and whatever. But that doesn't necessarily mean you're the best CRM for small and medium business. Those are kind of two different things. Yeah, it's probably hard to be both. I don't even know if you can be both. Um, so, well, I mean, a professional edition tries to be that. I mean, it's it's not a system you can heavily customize. So, what you can do is limited, which means there's there's less complexity in that type of yeah. environment. I'm just saying, if you're a small, if you're a small, you know, a smaller business, you know, you need 15, 20 licenses, and you don't really the platform is not a not even a thing for you. you don't care about it. Um, you're more much more interested in you know a mobile and good email or or whatever, I mean, and good calendaring. I mean, Salesforce actually is not great at any of those things. And that's where other solutions have, are eating their lunch on the, on the smaller end. On the, on the, on the big end, you, you, know, you kind of have to have something like Salesforce because yeah. they just require that level of customization. Well, I mean, to me, it's almost like you're building up this really, this really tall tower and they've built it up really high and they notice it's starting to lean a bit. And now they're going back to foundational stuff, which I think is what lightning is. I think it's a, it's a, call back to a lot of the foundational stuff, at least from a UI perspective. They have some opinions on things like we talked about. You know, they're, they're taking an active interest in, we'll, we'll probably talk about this more because this is your word, not mine, but, you know, the, the kind of hinting at intelligence in the software. Oh, it's not me. That's Mark Benioff. He started this six months ago. Syst- he started dropping this everywhere on the interview systems of intelligence. Yeah. I and s- I think it's evident. I mean, when you go into the new Lightning experience, well, not not that any of us have, but when you look at the screenshot and your what you're presented with isn't your account detail. It's not the information and everything that makes up your account. It's an activity feed, and it's not even the second tab on there. It's collaboration is your second tab. What's what's kind of left in the fur- farthest background is your detail tab. It'll be interesting to see how, at a, from a, just a pragmatic perspective, how um, how that's received. I think I think the perspective they took was this is a CRM for salespeople. This is what salespeople need, and that, to that kind of layout and methodology makes sense for that. I think we'll have to see and explore how 
how that transitions over for other roles in the company. Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah. Okay. So, so sales cloud is only going at 10%. Service cloud is growing at 40%. I percent clip. Yeah. So all you Salesforce consultants or prospective ones, if you want to know what area to get into, <laughs> I would do service cloud. Well, I, in the last Dreamforce, I think it was, was really big about being a customer company. And that was really all about, you know, providing service tools. I mean, so you have the new service cloud and all the features that came with that. And you have things like live agent and the desk acquisition and things like that. So, I mean, they, they put a lot of attention to that in the last few years. I also saw, I don't know if this was part of the announcement last week, but um, maybe it came out shortly after that. But they're showing a new service console that's based on the Lightning experience. Yeah, I saw that. It's in, it's in the release notes. There's a is it? There's maybe a that's quick picture it. of it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, services. I don't know. I mean, again, sales cloud is still bigger, but service cloud is where the growth is coming from right now. Um, the other two buckets are Salesforce One platform and other. That's that's one bucket. Salesforce One platform and other. Sixteen percent of revenue. So it's other Heroku, or is Heroku completely broken out? Well, let's talk about what other means in a minute. Um, that's 16%, but it's growing at 30, 36%. So, but, you know, who the hell knows what that means? Because they can just, at any point in time, decide what's in that other category and what's not in. And the last category is marketing cloud, which is, I'm assuming, just all the um, exact target yeah. solution, right? That's 10% of their business, but it's up 30% year over year. Um. But yeah, so the other, so platform and other. So Salesforce One Platform, what would that be? That'd be everything from just OEM licenses to platform licenses. Um, and, and other would include, I mean, what, what's not here? There's a ton of stuff not here. Analytics Cloud, Community. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? What am I, them? there's sure, a million things I'm forgetting. There are, aren't there like nine clouds now? <laughs> Security Cloud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the red tape cloud. Red tape cloud. <laughs> oh, um, we got we have more clouds that I, we have the financial cloud, the finance wealth management cloud. Yeah, and that would today they announced the uh, healthcare cloud. Yeah, health cloud. Yeah, I saw that. That'll be interesting. Oh. Um. So yeah, and I think on I think I didn't see it on this earnings report, but on the last one it, it mentioned that analytics at this point was not any significant revenue whatsoever, and it's still not cut out at all in here. So. Uh, sorry, sorry, analytics cloud. <laughs> still a baby. It's still it's still trying to le- get on its feet. Yeah, it's still trying to learn how to walk. It'll get there. I do think you know. Um, if they can do an, if they can make it, do it in a good way. Um, take being able to take things that you've built in Wave and drop them into home pages or whatever different dashboards, and even uh, they announced today. I, I, I was in the the um, winter 16 release notes and communities you can drop in. I thought it said wave things, but then I was wondering, well, I thought you had to have a, a wave, you know, like runners license or whatever, even to see wave, you know, the output of, of, of wave. Well, the confusing thing is on the release notes is I've noticed they've been kind of saying wave style dashboards or wave style charting and things like that. So I I, I was kind of getting a little confused as to what they were trying to say there. Now, we said wave style, not wave. There's a difference. (laughs) So I'm wondering if maybe that's what what we were looking at there. Um, um, Okay. So geographic breakdown. Um, The Americas is 74% of of their business up. From seventy one percent, which kind of surprised me. 
Because of all the go international America. push. But yeah. Go America. <laughs> America. Number <F-yeah>. one. Number <laughs> one. <laughs> okay. But to be, to be specific, that was America's. So I guess oh, yeah. the, go America's. The whole, yeah. This whole side of the world. Um, Europe, of course, uh, now these, uh, these all grew in whole number in, in, in absolute numbers, but Europe dropped from 19% of their business to 17% of their business year over year. And APAC dropped from 10% to 9%. So they're all growing, but just America's is growing faster still. Yeah. But, um, I heard, I think it was on the conference call. I heard Mark, Mark Benioff say that he's basically been living in Europe for three or four months now. No, it's good to be him. I guess so. <laughs> Hanging out at the beer gardens and the. I don't, I don't think know. he's slumming it in Europe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> chilling it, chilling in in Bordeaux, London, sipping some and, wine. Yeah, you know, getting exclusive restaurants. <laughs> yeah. Are they? <clears throat> yeah. Um, but yeah, they're they're really talking up right now. Their cash flow. Their I think their their free cash flow was I don't know two hundred forty million or three hundred million, but it was up you know a significant percentage from from last year. Um. And, and cash is interesting. I mean, usually when you're not profitable from a kind of bottom line earnings perspective, your cash flow can still be good because you can have a lot of non-cash expenses. And Salesforce's biggest one is always uh, this is the this is this is the the big asterisk at the bottom of all of their financial stuff is their stock based expenses. They just don't treat them now. Gap requires you to, but you got the general accepted accounting principles, which is kind of the standard for the country. Mm-hmm. Um, gap requires you to count those as expenses but you know and that's why Salesforce always talks about non-gap because they don't want to count that as an expense they would they would much rather because it's you know it's like a couple hundred million every quarter or something like that they don't want to count that as expense so they so they don't um, which is yeah, which is how they come up with in fact I think non-gap Salesforce actually was a 19 cents a share of profit this quarter <laughs> but that doesn't really count you know it's it you have to you have to go by gap and that's that's where they were basically zero cents a share um yeah uh 21 cents per share of stock-based expenses for employees in the quarter and most of that most of that goes to executives and upper management but but any employee who's getting stock-based compensation i think it was 131 million or something like that um another interesting thing uh they did in the in the last quarter, 113 million in professional services revenue, which has been pretty steady. It kind of just grows along with, yeah, with in line with revenue. There's 113 million dollars. Interesting part about that: cost to deliver those services, 113 million dollars. So they make <laughs> zero dollars. How, how did services that happen? Because they just it's 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 hard to make money in that business. Look at all the consulting companies you know. None of them have money after the after, the, after they paid their bills at the end of the month. <laughs> right, you just—I mean, you can build. You can have some of them are profitable. They're buying Dreamforce booths and big old platinum sponsorships right. and that's big beca- parties. Somebody's making some money. No, that's because they're getting VC money dumped into them, or they've taken investment. But I mean, there's just—you know—I I don't know. I mean, I, I suppose if you can, if you ran it really tightly, the thing is—I mean, this is not Salesforce's business. They're not in the PS business, even though they're probably the big. If you took their PS group and made them a, a separate consulting company, they'd probably be the biggest single Salesforce consulting. I don't know. Some of these other ones have gotten big, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's hard to make money on that. And Salesforce does not make money on it. Um, you know, they're, so they're working, working capitals, uh, 
kind of been been on a negative trend. Their um, their current ratio, which is kind of an important thing, it's the the ratio of current assets to current liabilities, is is well below one nowadays. Actually, I think it has been for a while, but. I was comparing that to like some other companies. So like, I think Microsoft's like 2.5 or something. Mm-hmm. So Salesforce just, you know, they're, they're, they basically have more bills than they do money right now. Yeah. This guy, I guess kind of a easy way to describe it. But again, their, their operating cash flow is, is up. So theoretically that might help that. Um, their, uh, their revenue estimate for the, for the rest of the year, they think they're going to hit 6.6 billion. So that's kind of their updated guidance, but uh, there's no estimate on profits whatsoever. And, and again, my kind of the closing note I wrote after listening to all that was they're dead set on $10 billion on killing Oracle and SAP. Uh, and it's uh, costing shareholders dearly for, for, that, ven- for that vendetta. <laughs> this, is, this is, whose words are those? No, that was mine. That was after oh, okay. I was done listening to that. That was just like the <laughs> one final thing, you know, that I was like, okay, it's clear that they're dead set on this $10 billion thing and they're obsessed with Oracle and SAP. And they're going to do whatever it takes to smash them. Or get bought by them. <laughs> I still think that's totally on the table. I still, I mean, I think the most likely thing is an Oracle, an Oracle acquisition. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that's quite a bit of cash. Well, it's about $7 billion less in cash than it was the last time they were buyout rumors because Salesforce stock has dropped. They've lost like $7 billion in market cap. All they, they have were, to do is all, another rumor just has to come out and it'll bump up again. Well, why do you, what makes you think that rumor got circulated in the first place? Just <laughs> <laughs> no, in time for some, some, some shares to get sold. I mean, the whole, the whole markets have dropped in the past week or two, but at, right after Salesforce released their, these earnings, they went for, I think they were trading at like 76 or something like that. And now they're, they're down in the, actually they were up a little bit today, but they've been down in the kind of lower to mid sixties. So they've, they've lost a nice chunk of, of value. I think it was 6 billion. So they're cheaper. I mean, if someone wants to buy them, they're cheaper now than they were a few months ago. If anyone's interested, <laughs> if anyone has, you know, 50 or $60 billion in cash burning a hole in their pocket. <laughs> yeah. I guess you can buy with stock too, right? Though you can like a mix of stock and cash. So it's not like someone has to come up with 60 million in cash or sorry, billion. Right. Maybe 20 billion in cash. A lot of, and there's a lot of companies that have that much cash. They could do it. Anyway, that's that. Um, do we have, um, do we have any follow-up on last week? The lightning experience? Follow-up. So, so we, well, okay, so we, and this was known at well, the time. Well, we have a lot more information than we did last week. I mean, there are some things to kind of talk about. I mean, we weren't sure when it was going to get released last week, and now we know for sure it's in the release notes. We're going to get it, you know, winter 16. Okay. As a GA release. Yep. You know. Actually, we knew that then, too. We just, you know, I... I forgot I, about it or something. Or no, didn't I just hear it. wasn't really entirely sure. I wasn't sure if that meant it was sandbox release or pre-release or if that was going to be a full GA release. Yeah. And apparently it's going to be a full GA release. So something's going to be available winter 16. Yes. I mean, by something, I mean, I guess the lightning experience as it stands at the moment, which is, which is quite limited and will be, um, f- for most, you know, decent size orgs with existing customizations will probably be not something that they don't yeah. turn on right away. And Salesforce has been pretty forthcoming about what's not enabled. Really? You think so? Yes. Okay. Cause I watched that. I sat through the whole I'm thing. I'm talking about the video. I'm talking about <laughs> doing some research and yeah. reading the, the release notes. The release notes actually makes it very clear. In fact, I'm sorry for anyone who's planning on reading the release notes, plan to do it over a couple of nights or a weekend. Cause that sucker is 400 pages big. That is big. 
Yeah. I think they did that on purpose. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about, but yeah, I mean it, and they, they did pretty well with it. I mean, they talked about all the different features. They reiterated, you know, they had to reiterate the terminology, first of all, because things were getting confusing. And one thing I will say is that, you know, you're right. Salesforce one has pretty much become mobile. And now they're referring to the desktop as lightning mm, experience. No, I don't think so. No, I mean, in the documentation, every yeah. time they, they, when they try to differentiate between the desktop and sales and the mobile, they use the words lightning experience for the desktop and Salesforce one for the mobile. But Salesforce one is built on lightning components and things, right? Yeah. Well, it's all, it's all aura. Which is, which is lightning kind of. <laughs> Right? No. It's all Aura. Light, it's all the same. I mean, lightning is Aura. It's all the same right? UI platform. Aura is not. Okay. How'd you like that? All Lightning, like all lightning is Aura, but not all Aura is Lightning. <laughs> you could do Aura without, without being involved in Lightning. Yes. You build your own app and use Aura. Yes, because I mean, it's its own platform. Now you it, wouldn't, it's its own, and I don't know why they're calling it a platform. <laughs> but they've, Everything's they've, a platform. Yeah. Hey, they're John, calling it a platform. Let me ask you this, John. What is the customer success platform? It's a platform for customers to be successful. Can you tell me what that is, though? Yes. Can you tell me which, which I am features and items are I'm part learning. of that? And, and it turns out we've been participating in this community. Is it's just that it's been branded as this big thing because it's it's idea exchange. It's the you're talking the about the, you're talking the about the customer the, uh, the success community. Yeah, the success community. I'm talking about the customer success platform. I have no idea. Yeah, I was just looking at like um the their 10k from from last year, and the big thing was um. You know, customer success platform. If you go read, you know, news articles from a year well, that's ago. That's Salesforce then. I think, you know what it is now? It's the Salesforce One platform. Salesforce One platform. That means. And that includes Lightning Experience and Salesforce that's like One. Every, I think Salesforce One platform is everything. I'm so confused. I, it's. You know, we, I, let's talk about way back in the day when you first got me started in Salesforce. Thank you, by the way. <laughs> One of the things that we struggled with I don't was, know if you should thank me or <laughs> <laughs> was the, the terminology because at that point that's when they were really ramping up with marketing was when we first started and they were trying to re they uh, they would name something and they would market it as that the next year they would change the name and remarket it as something else um what was Ape apex was um apex has always been apex no it was like it was like some bigger name and then it got truncated to apex or something it was like I don't ever remember that Apex Force or something what or Salesforce or S Force, yeah. Well, yeah. What was S Force? Um, that was it. That, oh, that was, was the. Was that the API? You, the, the API used to be called the S Force API, and then I think S controls were part of S Force or something. Yeah. It was. Anyways, I mean that's a tangent, yeah, I, but I'm, still, I'm. I am. We've been dealing listen, with this marketing stuff for forever. If anyone needs us S control work, I am S Force certified. So feel free to contact, reach out to me. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that's a, probably a real possibility now that everyone has, that everyone needs to transfer or transition over to Lightning. Uh, um, S controls? Yeah. They kind of are S controls, just like JavaScript. We're back to JavaScript in the browser. That's what S controls were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes full circle, man. So, so <laughs> we've determined that Lightning is S controls. They had it right the first time. Yeah, exactly. Just rebranded S controls. Uh, where were we? I don't know. We started talking. Well, okay. Are we? Let's get into the release notes then. Okay. That's Let's fine. talk about that. Do you have any favorites from the release notes? Um, I got some I liked here that I just picked up. Um, you can now serialize and deserialize JSON objects reliably. Yeah. Reliably. <laughs> that's, what, that's what the heading said. Uh, that reminds me of, um, I saw someone's comment. They were, after the, 
after the lightning experience announcement because you know there was all the way the media covered it was like you know salesforce's old you know ui has finally been replaced with this new ui and someone's like someone said I, wait a minute i thought there were a million developers in the salesforce ecosystem because that's what they always brag about you know how did they have a bad ui <laughs> <laughs> well because developers are not user experience how experts. many developers does it take to make a decent looking ui zero because you need user experience <laughs> yeah, expert yeah John, everyone is a UX expert no, nowadays. No. Yes, they are. No. Yes, they are. I'm a hobbyist at that, and I, I will say mm. no. Yeah. It's a skill set. It's a skill set. It has to be learned and honed and practiced mm. and cared for no, and loved. You just have to click the thing on someone's LinkedIn profile that says they have a skill in UX, and then that makes them a UX expert. I don't use LinkedIn. It's probably a good thing. I only get headhunters from LinkedIn. Yeah, it's, that's all I get. I guess, I don't know. I, I've heard people say you can, you can really work LinkedIn to your advantage. I just don't have the patience for it. I have, you know, 15, I don't know how many requests sitting there, people that want to be LinkedIn with me. And I'm just like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to accept, not that I don't want to accept them, but my LinkedIn is so outdated. And I don't maintain it at all. And I, did, I really don't even want anyone to see it. I should just turn it off. All right. Well, I, I'm going to start with something about lightning experience from the release notes that I wanted to highlight. Can we come up with the lightning experience? That's kind of hard to say. Maybe LX. Can we call it LX? Lex? LX. The Lex. Yeah. Uh. Or LX. Lightning experience. LX. So this is why we don't work for well, Salesforce marketing. I can tell you right now, because lightning <laughs> experience is too, mal- too much of a mouthful, they will rebrand that very shortly. So You think? Well, John, everything gets, is rebranded shortly. So, if you, listen, if you don't like the name, the Salesforce has named something, just wait a couple of months. It's like the weather. It's going to change. It'll change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. So, an so. interesting note about Lightning Experience is when Winter 16 gets released, it says that um, the new UI will actually be, able, be available within 24 hours. So, I'm assuming they're going to do the push of all the new features, and then at some point... This has got to cycle through. Maybe so. Who knows? Maybe to get all the yeah. new whatever artifacts and everything into the CDNs and everything so it propagates properly. I'm not sure. That's the first time I've ever heard of a release doing that. So it's kind of unique. Yeah. Lightning will only be supported on IE 11, which I think we talked about before. Yeah. Um, if you have a lesser browser, you won't even get the Lightning experience. It'll automatically kick you over to the classic. And there's another terminology thing when we talk about classic. Classic means the old, what we have today. I bet they're doing user agent sniffing for that. Possibly, he might be able to trick it. No, I'm saying, oh yeah, to to get yeah. it to throw you back to an old yeah. one or whatever. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> if you if you were using the the Salesforce one URL, kind of, it's not really a hack, but if you you could. You could modify your URL in Salesforce to show you the Salesforce One experience, the the mobile version. Yeah, slash one slash one dot app. Yeah. yeah. Well, now that that URL is for everything now. I mean, that's what your new Salesforce Lightning experience and everything else is based on now. That's that's the URL schema. So it, you t- that won't work anymore. So if you have anything that's kind of dependent on that, or you're, you're trying to see if they're on that URL. Mm-hmm. To decide how to render something in mobile or something, then that won't work anymore. But oh, that's did not it something change to something else, or is it just you can't do that anymore? It just it doesn't mean Salesforce One Mobile anymore. Yeah. A lot okay. of times we would use that for um, 
kind of testing out mobile interfaces. So you could kind of do something, configure your mobile app, and then change the URL so you can see what it's going to look like without having to set up an emulator. And that reminds me of one thing we didn't talk about, and I think they just kind of glossed over. Did you notice, though, they um, in the demo last week, they showed like basically the app launcher screen. Did you see that? And it yeah. almost looked like the Chrome or Safari like start yep. screen. And I was just, I didn't, I didn't it, they flew by it so fast, I didn't really have... I don't really see too much of it, but I'm just, you know, I thought to and myself. And there's nothing to see. It's you, The icon is, is a grid, a box of grids, and you click on it and you get this little kind of tooltip hover looking thing and it's got your apps listed there. Yeah. I hope that you don't have to go through that to get to whatever you're trying to, I, mean, I don't know. Again, I go back to like, I will, it's, a, it's unfortunate they have to have screens like that, but I guess for one of these software solutions that you can buy 12 different apps. I guess you have to have some way. You're, if you're going to the same place to log in to get to 15 different apps, then yeah, once you log in, you're going to have to then pick where you want to go. Which yeah. app did you actually want to go to? It's basically like, it's, Salesforce is basically a big single sign-on system now for 15 different enterprise apps. Yeah. That's the way I look at it. Anyway, so those are the three I kind of picked out as notables. Um, I kind of want to get to my idea of the week, but I have a question first. What do you do when Salesforce takes your idea that you posted, and it's got a ton of votes, and everyone says, yeah, let's do this. This is awesome. We need this. And Salesforce says, hey, it's coming in the next release. And it turns out they didn't implement what you asked for. I'm sure that happens all the time. <laughs> well, in, in the new release notes, there's a feature coming called Lock Unlock a Record in Apex Code. And I'm going to read you the description, because this was done by Ben Mansfield, and um, he wrote, I'd like to have the ability to lock and unlock a record in Apex Code, exactly like locking, unlocking a record in the approval process. That's where I think the confusion started. Oh. This would mean I could lock, unlock records when they reach a certain state or unlock, lock or unlock child records when a parent record has been locked or unlocked by an approval process, possibly having a keyword similar to using delete, update, blah, blah, blah. And so they are adding the ability to lock and unlock records, but it works the same way that, because today you can do that with the UI. So if something's in an approval process, the record's locked, the admin can go into that record and there's a button that says lock or unlock. Mm -hmm. And you can do that. So now they're making that feature available in Apex. But that's not really what this idea is about, at least from what I can gather. I think I th the idea that I can read, that I draw from this is that, you know, having the ability to actually lock a record arbitrarily, just say, hey, something happened in this process and I want to be able to lock this record so no other changes can happen. Mm -hmm. And that's what I take this to be. Okay. So that, I'm not sure I even understand the difference between those two things. Because within what, what they implemented is it has to be within the in an approval process for you to, to initiate oh, the you lock you can't unlock. arbitrarily lock. Right. Okay. And when, I, when you first read that, I'm thinking like, like row level or page level database, like database or table level locking even, you know, like when you're locking for updates, for example. Yeah, I, not I even that. Just to, just to kind of say, hey, this is, we're done yeah, with this. Yeah, I realize Stop editing this. Yeah, that's not what he meant. Yeah. I mean, and you can kind of do that with validation rules and setting a flag and all that kind of stuff, but I mean... So and even even this this what they did implement for record locking and unlocking is valuable because um, a lot of times we wrap a lot of automation around the approval process and so that is kind of valuable mm -hmm. to have that feature. It's just it's just not exactly I think what this idea was needing, or even what I would would like to have. So we talked we were talking about a few weeks ago um, how if you through Apex want to like make um, like metadata changes or whatever, you basically got to call back into Salesforce via SOAP, right? We did? Yeah. 
we, we talked oh, about I the know idea. What you're going to. That's on my list too. So so basically now any any soap or external calls you do to a I guess an official Salesforce you know yeah. pod or domain name or whatever will be will not count against your callouts. Yeah, guess, want, is that right? You get unlimited callouts basically when you're calling those services. Like unlimited in a transaction or unlimited like in in a in a day. What which limit are they talking? They're just about, not actually? counting limits at all. So if you have if you want to make a call to another org. And it's a Salesforce org, so you have two Salesforce orgs and trying to keep them in sync. You can make callouts to either one as many times so you, as you want. So you can make a, a hundred callouts in a single transaction. Sure. Okay. Well, hmm. I didn't know if they meant within a transaction. Yeah. Or what? But yeah. Now that you, I mean, they they just said unlimited callouts. They didn't even clarify that. So that's interesting. I didn't yeah. even think of it that way. Um, one thing about that though is the get content and get content PDF on the page reference inherits that. So they will also not count against your limits whenever you make those callouts. And with this new version, you'll be able to make those calls from an asynchronous or batch process. Um, so where was that? Uh, oh, we have to talk about the debugging thing, too. Um, yeah, Man, you're taking was. all my notes. Am I? I had this all worked out, and you're just like everywhere. Set approval process locks. Oh, yeah, that's, that's what you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Oh, Mike, unlimited calls. You can now make unlimited calls to endpoints in your Salesforce. You, need, you no longer need to live in fear. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have you noticed that the... That is, the is that them admitting that we live in fear of the limits? <laughs> we live in fear of a lot of things that comes out of Salesforce. D- have you noticed the language, the type of language they use in this document is getting sassier? And I don't mean like the... <laughs> the giant, sassy mascot? The giant button or whatever that thing is that runs around a dream force it's it's more attitudinal like and it's it's also more i mean the words awesome and cool and amazing i mean are, are all throughout this now and i was just like I, wow, I don't remember that hmm, maybe not <laughs> i mean they have been they have been trying to improve the experience of reading these release notes and i'm kind of thankful for them to be a little more lighthearted about it since it is 400 freaking pages long and i'm falling asleep as it is reading half of it i was up until I think 12 o'clock last night preparing. I mean, it was just a long, hard read. And yeah. I had to be very choosy about, you know, what my highlights were. Yeah. It's just long. But anyways, how, what, how else did you want to derail my conversation? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I'm messing done with derailing. You. I'm messing with you, Mr. Jump Around. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here? That was, well, I didn't even get a little clip from my idea of the week. You transitioned directly off into something else. How about this one? Um, he has no idea. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Yeah. I'm going to clap for that one. Oh, that was okay. good. Thanks. <laughs> so anyways, that's my idea of the week because I think it's still a valid idea that has not been implemented technically. Um, and I have another one just in case, but... Hmm. Uh, we talked about Service Console. That that got the new kind of lightning experience layout. I, I need to see it to see how it's implemented. I need to see if it's actually elements on a page that have some Ajaxy stuff going on behind it, or if it's still a bunch of iframes tied together. So I'm really curious about that, but I need to see it to be able to know for sure. I must have a section deployment. I just checked it out. Because <clears throat> one of my, that's one of the things, anytime there's a new Salesforce release, I'm like, okay. Can I do reliable atomic deployments? Yes or no? And of course, the answer still is no. Deployments are still a nightmare. They're often not atomic because you can't deploy everything at once. You get, I get, I mean, I'm, I think I've been once a week probably logging a 
just unknown exceptions like GAX with GAC IDs and things. Mm-hmm. Just that the metadata system just falls over all the time. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's not good. And, you know, you can have a perfect build for a certain org or sandbox, or whatever, but it's just, it's for that. It's actually, there's, a, there's actually no such thing as a known working build because you might have to modify it, deploy it to a different sandbox or to a different org. Well, my big problem with deployments, and they, they're trying to address that, I think, with this release, at least that's what they said, is the fact that whenever you deploy a package, you get this generic error message if something goes wrong. And this happened to me recently. Yeah. And you know what? Because this is a proprietary closed platform that you don't run, you, can't, you don't have access to logs or anything, what do you have to do? You have to log a case mm-hmm. and wait for it to get escalated. And then hopefully someone will look at a log if it hasn't been too long and all this other stuff. And, like, and then days have gone by. I'm like, how, how does this work? It was a week how for is us to get an answer on what, what oh the log showed. It tur- you know what it t- turns it's out to insane. be? It turned out to be that the name of the package was too long. There's an 80 character max. However, I, you can create the package with that name. Right. But you can't deploy it with yeah, that name. Right. So there's, there's an inconsistency there. Sure. And they're basically just, you know, any, any exception, un, unhandled exception on their end, they you know, at the topmost layer, it gets caught and they just bubble up a, you know, unknown right. exception or whatever. So you can't actually see what happened. There's yeah, nothing. In, in this case, I think um, even like a low level error message that was supposed to get um, merged or whatever with, with other values didn't. So you got like the bracket zero in the message somewhere. Yeah. Of course, the other things I look up, I look at are, you know, does, does Apex have some kind of namespaces yet? Um, can I, can I, can I work, can I do Salesforce work offline? Like the other day when we lost internet and then we just said, said gave up for the day. Like, okay, well, I guess I'm not getting work done because I, I'm working on Salesforce and can't get to it or you're on an airplane or whatever. Um, you can get internet on airplanes now, Jeremy. You can, some of them, certain ones. Not if you fly Spirit. Problem is, who's going to pay for it? Cause then- <laughs> don't, by the way, don't fly Spirit ever. That's a mistake you make once in life. Yeah. All right, so since you skipped over development. I, I do like that they, <clears throat> I noticed the categories, the top level categories have changed. It used to be like force.com and database.com and all these different dot-com things. And now, now it actually just says like development. Yeah. Deployment. <laughs> I like that. It's, I Call mean, it what it is. Considering the amount of information, I think they've, they've done a pretty good, well, pretty good job at kind of organizing it. The one that still stands out, those data.com, which I always have to remind myself, that's just like... That's just the database. No, no, it's not. You're wrong about that. See, that's the thing. That's the... Um, what was that service they bought that it was co- collects like information on, oh, on leads yeah. so, you can, yeah. so you can cold call people yeah, all the you're time. Yeah, right. I'm thinking of... What am I thinking of? You, th- you were thinking of database.com. Database.com, Which is completely yeah. gone. Yeah. That's another funny thing. You go look at all... It's old, not gone. Oh, they just... They folded it in and... It's just... Yeah, it's just... Just a license yeah, type. Is it? Yeah. So yeah, it's still a license it, it is if you, a license if you type want you all that, if you want the <clears throat> Salesforce data model and the functionality that comes with that without the CRM stuff, you can get database.com. That's platform. They, there's subtle differences here. I don't know. Database.com doesn't have any UI to it. No, no, it doesn't. Right. Whereas platform does. Well, it's got like tools to help you see what's going on and you know, manage your indexes yeah, right, and right. all that kind of stuff. But, but platform has like page layouts and you can do visual force and Apex and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's different. That's like, yeah, that's the platform. This is like just that piece, the yeah. database piece, the model. Yeah. If you will. The most, uh, the most expensive database storage known to man. <laughs> if, you, if you want that, which is probably why it went away. It's not gone away. It's just a license type. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'd like to know how many people, uh, how many licenses they've sold of that. Uh, and also just, I'd like to know one example app that chose to use that. So johnsnewapp.com. <laughs> you got to register that now? Yeah. I'm going to use database.com and Aura. Yeah. There you go. Of course, that means I need Java crap. <laughs> you don't need Java. Don't I? I don't think so. Yeah, there's some Java SDKs you have to have. To, for what? Because I think it has some pre-rendering stuff for Compilot. Yeah. Mm. I'm still <clears throat> learning it. But anyways, uh, mobile. Mobile didn't get much attention. It got some new font and styling to match the experience. You mean Salesforce One, John? Salesforce One. Mobile features. That's actually already um, been renamed and back to mobile again. Has it? Yeah. Uh, they're they're removed. They're not going to support Andrew Andrew Android. I didn't like him anyway. I'm glad they're not supporting. Yeah, they're not going to support Android. <laughs> Such a jerk. <laughs> they're not going to support Android 4.2 and 4.3, which is odd because uh, that's still that's Jelly Bean. That's the Jelly Bean version. That's of. old. Jelly Jelly Bean, isn't it? Yeah, but and, and the Android market, as opposed to iOS, in terms of you know transitioning to slow, the new years, right? they're really slow. So there's I did the numbers because I was curious about that. There's still 15.9 percent market share on 4.2. Interesting, only 4.7 on 4.3. But that, that market share is kind of global, so I'm thinking kind of business users have already moved on Probably beyond so. that, and yep. so Salesforce doesn't have to worry about that. But Yep. Uh, interesting, Salesforce, I'm sorry, Microsoft Surface tablets will not run mobile versions. They will run the Lightning experience. They're technically a laptop. Okay, so just a s- smaller screen, I guess. Yeah. <clears throat> And what I mentioned earlier about the the one app URL no longer meaning Salesforce One, so we won't be able to use that to test our apps. We'll is there, is to, there not a way to still do that though? There's got to be. You just a way have to, to use device emulators. You have to install an emulator and run it in that, like the the um, Xcode iOS yeah, the Xcode? or oh, there's wow. some there's some Chrome plugins out there that <laughs> let you run. Um, oh, I bet I bet you could just um, with uh, user agents. Uh, in Chrome or whatever, you change your user agent to whatever an iPad is, and I bet you get served up the. Uh, you probably mobile. could, but anyways, I mean that's where they're pointing people to instead of. And using also, that. if you think about the Salesforce One mobile app, it's just an HTML app. I want you know what? It's interesting. I bet I wonder how much of it runs locally. Like, do you think all the templates are built into the app itself, or do you think those are being? You think it's pulling pulling down templates from, you know, real time. I bet they're built into the app. Mm, yeah, I don't know. I bet it's only I bet it's only making calls out for authentication and, and data. It might not. I mean, it might serve it up once and then it's, it's cached after that point and then it's just grabbing data. It could be. I know one thing that's cool about some, some of this some of these new like hybrid type apps are they keep the templates and everything built into the app, but the app can self-update itself without having to go through the a new version in the app, in the app store. Mm-hmm. It can actually pull in and I Cinch has done that for a while cuz I did that a while back with Sencha. Um, but I think it's Ionic maybe is, is, is starting to add that. I could, it could be, I could, it could be Ember. I could be wrong. One of, or maybe it's Angular. I can't remember, but I, I think one of them uh, has added that so that it can, it can basically come up with a new version mm-hmm. of your app. And it, when you, when you open the app on your phone, it calls home to see if there's a new version of so it just kind of like sucks it in, puts it in local storage or something. That's interesting. It just patches itself. Yeah. I wonder it's, how the apples of the world feel about that. I don't know. It's, one of those gray areas, I think. Yeah. <clears throat> um, chatter. There wasn't really much on chatter. Uh, you get, they have a new file preview tool in the lightning experience. Um, you can sync two gigs of files or two gigabyte files, basically. 
and they have this new broadcast group feature that's in pilot. And I guess that's kind of meant to com- send like a company wide message through chatter, basically. Um, search. The only thing search got that I thought was notable was the ability to kind of turn off certain objects from searching. So typically when you search by something, if it has a tab and you type into that global search at the top, it's going to search that as part of the global search. Mm -hmm. And now they'll let you kind of actively exclude that. Even if it has a tab, even if it's on the UI, you can actively say never search for this object in Mm -hmm. your search. And that should improve performance in general. Uh, Admins. Admins are getting something kind of nice. They're getting more rollout fields. Uh, They're getting 150%. They were imp- <laughs> so it from 10 to 15. Uh, yeah, no, it went from 10 to 25, but this, this was their words. They were like 150% more increase. This is part of the, the kind of new tongue in cheek of the release notes where they're trying to, you know, liven things up. But yeah, they need to check their math. I think, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, you get more rollups. Yeah, it's good. That's I've, good. I've had this several times. I mean, you can, that's one of those things you can ask Salesforce to increase and they usually will. I think we went from 10 to 20 recently. Yeah. Um, restricted pick lists are coming. I don't know how I feel about that. I, I guess, I don't know if it was a big issue because the only time it's an issue is if someone's uploading data to Salesforce where you can kind of add a new value to the pick list. Or I think of just the numerous, though, um, app exchange packages and add ons and third party things. Like you, you, you might want to just, uh, no matter where it's coming from, like enforce. Yeah. You restricted, you know, restricted set of values and, and you know, an enumeration basically for, for a data type. That's useful, I think. It's yeah. almost crazy that didn't exist before. Yeah, and I guess even with integrations, it can be valid. I, I, like, I like being able to put stuff in that isn't there when I have an integration, but I can see the other side of it of, well, we need, that carries so much more weight than just a name. We need to be prepared to accept this new value and integrate into our process. So I can see where restricting it would also be valuable. Yeah. Um, and they're also coming out with global pick lists. What is that? So you'll be able to define a global pick list, and then you can create a new pick list on another object and base it on that global pick list, and it'll inherit all those values. Okay. And so now you're only maintaining it in one spot. Yeah. Which is valuable, I think. Yep. Um, doing so, of course, makes it a restricted pick list by nature. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, they made a ton of label changes in setup. <laughs> really i was actually concerned about it until i looked at what the label changes actually were and really it shouldn't affect you too much uh because basically what they did is you would have this kind of breadcrumb of where you're at in the ui so you might go to email settings and then it would say you know setup or something something like that or settings um and instead of just saying settings relying on the breadcrumb context of where you're at they're now being more specific. So they'll say like email template settings or, you know, permission set settings, you know, all they really did was kind of be more specific with things. <clears throat> and in cases where things were a little vague, they would say Salesforce one, which would refer to the mobile Salesforce one, blah, blah, blah setting. So go to peruse <laughs> that, but I, I think you'll still be safe. It's not like they changed things drastically. They just kind of made a bunch of things a little more clear. Here's here's a thing under communities. Extensible community templates. Yes, for real. <laughs> you should like that. You're in the throes mm-hmm. of community build, aren't yeah. you? But I mean, we're, the community we're doing is um, that I'm working on right now. It's, it's it's really one of these from the ground up, completely custom. 
And so when, you know, when they talk about these, uh, you know, Napoli and Kalua and Koa and all these, they've got all these, I guess, because they're Hawaiian names for these different ways you can do communities. I don't remotely understand what those are. Some of them have to do with that CMS that Salesforce bought and then kind of is using now for communities, I guess. Was it, was it site.com or something? I don't know. I, I don't know. It's very confusing because when you're in communities, like it literally is labeled with these Hawaiian words and they don't, there's no actual description of what it is. I'm just like, wow, I haven't, I'm just staying away from that. I don't touch those buttons. <laughs> <laughs> don't know what those do. It's going to stick to my apex and my visual force. Such an old man. I'm not touching that new yeah. technology. <laughs> scares me well you know these other things i mean the ones that are based on these kind of just real draggy droppy stuff that's that's the kind of stuff they change up from under your feet all the time and you know it's like i'm gonna stick to i'm gonna stick to the more foundational fundamental stuff that that i know gets you know more automated unit tests and all kinds of stuff like that because i gotta have it be reliable (laughs) draggy droppy is that a technical term it is well salesforce is all about the draggy droppy nowadays Uh, process builder, process builder. Speaking of process builder, I don't want to talk about process builder. They're <laughs> trying to make it better. They're trying. Band aid, I guess. I got excited when they said when everyone was saying, "Hey, they're going to bulkify process builder!" Yay! No one can see me do my yay. Yeah. I, I'm going to be self conscious at Dreamforce when we're recording because I kind of sometimes do things with my hands and I feel like I'm a weird dork, but I'm okay with it because no one can see me do it. Mm. <clears throat> now my darkness don't let, don't is going to be on full you. display yeah. I'm going to be neurotic mess up there I'll just like <laughs> sit on my hands now everyone else can see what I have to deal with every week <laughs> except we won't have to face each other right now we have to stare each other longingly into each other's eyes while yeah. we record But that's what you said you wanted <laughs> <laughs> process builder process builder so they did kind of improve and in fact the the wording that they use is reduced chance of hitting the sockle limits not a hey we fixed it you're not going to get that limit anymore it's uh, you may or may not get it i mean i don't know about you but i only need to run my business sometimes yeah you know, if it's it's okay if it breaks every yeah. so often yeah. just as long as like 90 percent of the time it works yeah and that's kind of what we're getting with it's this and this kind of alludes to a deeper architectural issue under the hood of the way process builder works the fact that they couldn't solve this the right way which the right way would be just like we do in apex is okay we've got all these records let's query them all at once and let's process them as a batch that apparently isn't what they can do but what they are doing is they're saying okay well we'll take all these queries that that has to do and run them all at once as long as it fits within the twenty thousand character limit for sql why are they how are they hitting such a limit? I don't understand this. And that should reduce the chance, because then you have less batches. So this process builder is generating horrible code, if that's yeah. the case. If, that, if those are the limits you're hitting? Yeah. So, so they're kind of they're taking all this stuff. This is a code generator, John. It probably is. Yeah, and you can't test it. Probably is. And, and the runtime characteristics are undefined. It may <laughs> fail, it may not fail. Well, it's better than nothing, so at least we might be able to continue using it. It's not better than triggers. That's true. This is one of those things that this is really not for people like you and I. Well, it has potential. Sorry. I mean, I guess if it's, if it is testable, if it's diffable and maintainable and version controllable and all that stuff, then I I guess it, you know, it's kind of acceptable. I mean, there's ways to work with it. I mean, there's ways to use it as a way 
and kind of what my original thought was is I could use this to launch my invocable method, which in essence kind of gives control over the admins to kind of control how my code is triggered. Let that code do everything it needs to do. Let it do all the batch and bulking and everything. The problem is, is the entry point for that. You know, what triggers it? Is mm-hmm. it just one record or is it 200 records that triggers it? That's yeah. the issue. That's what's making this solution well, you, you difficult. Any, you don't have any control over that. But you, always, you know, you have to be prepared for whatever that number is. Well, up to 200, I guess, right? Yeah. <clears throat> um, so we'll, we'll see how this plays out. We'll see. I mean, this to me obviously is a Band-Aid. And hopefully they're going to continue to invest and, and correct this so that it can handle 200 batch record. Yeah. I just always have to keep in mind that features like this and some of this other, again, draggy, droppy kind of build an app in gigantic air quotes um, is not really for the type of work that I do. It's not really for me. There's other, there's other types of organizations and, and people who those tools are much more suited for than, than what the type of work I do on a daily basis. Well, I mean, the nice thing is that, um, Hmm. I guess the nice thing is is that it has potential to kind of bridge a gap that exists between, you know, the the what do we want to call them? Not them, just the, the that type of about. role. What are you talking about? So we have admins, developers, app builders. We'll call them app builders. Admins. That's what you're talking about. No, not just admins. I'm talking about app builders. I'm talking about admins who took that extra step and are now actually building complex stuff with using things like process builder and flows and all those kind of things that's a different skill set than just checking a bunch of boxes that says oh you have access to this now right i mean that's i don't know so you're calling that a developer i'm calling that an app builder okay boy the terminology in the salesforce (laughs) world it just um, okay but i mean there's a gap there i mean there's a oh this takes code you go do it you go off in your silo oh this can be configured you go do it go off in your silo i mean that well, first of all, no one said they had to go to the silos. We can still work together as a team. Can we? Absolutely. Can we, We're Jeremy? supposed to. It doesn't work that way. Well, that's what needs to be fixed then. Well, maybe tools like this can help. What I'm saying is that we develop a solution. The only way to, to update that solution when an issue occurs or a new, new something has to be changed about it is it goes back over to the fence to that side of the fence. It goes over to the development team or it goes over to the admin team. And if we can kind of design our solutions that are a little more hybrid to where, you know, we have a kind of configurable way, declarative way to kind of control certain mechanisms and we have our code that handles all the complex underlying stuff. Yeah. You know, it kind of bridges the gap. Now everyone's involved in the process. It's not just, hey, I need a trigger. Go build it. It's to do this, this, and this. It's, all right, I'm going to build the filter criteria for this, this, you know, whatever. And I just need you to do this and then we'll, Come together and I'll call your code. Uh, yeah, I mean, it just sounds like one of these utopias. I, I guess if if um, I'm a dreamer, if you can do it, in a, a if you can do it in a way that it's it's all testable, right? It, and it's all and you're using a good process to to build all these things. And again, it depends. The question is, does it matter? I mean, if you're if you're you know trying to get some throw some stuff together to get to work for a five person sales team, that's why it's one thing, or or a twenty person company. If you're building something that. 10,000 students have to use every day, then it's a completely different thing. And your requirements for quality, testability, reliability, you know, d- deployability, all these things are, this becomes, you know, enterprise gr- qu- grade requirements. 
True. And you're not going to be, you're not going to, people aren't going to be in production dragging and dropping, changing stuff. And, and e- even changing a field definition production can, can have disastrous results at, in runtime in production. Yeah. So I guess for me, it's, it's, it's the, well, let's talk about the, let's talk about the hammer. It, it, you no know, process builder is not, a, is not a hammer that you take and you hammer everything with it. You know, you have to think about these things. You have to figure out what, where it's good and where it's not, where it fits in well with something totally and where right, it doesn't. Right. I mean, I so think, the idea that you're gonna that they're gonna come to say, "Hey, you've got process builder and flow. Now you can do everything. Screw the developers." You know, it's no, I don't think anyone's saying that. It's, no, I'm not. I'm just, right. I'm just kind of generalizing, saying that, that that that's not the world we live in. The world we live in is far more complex, and it takes a lot of different types of solutions. And I think this is a tool that could be useful, but it's it's we're prevented we're preventing it from making good use of it because of some of these limitations. And this one is a big one. Yeah. Yep. So, anyways, um, it demos really well. I mean, this is—I feel like this has been for the past year or so. I'm guessing just the one, the one of the big, I think, themes of everything Salesforce has come out with has been the demo, the demo factor. Yeah, they are putting a lot of attention, resources, and time into things that demo well, because those that are making the purchasing decisions it sells they love this they stuff sell. it sells and you're i've and had to build things that way i have to <clears throat> i've had to build things like that in the past of it's great it does some really nice functionality but we kind of need to look better so that you know mr cfo here will look at it and go that's awesome yeah. let's do it and again salesforce is not selling to team teams of engineers they're selling to you know cmos uh you know but what's wrong with what's wrong with software VPS looking sales. good what's wrong with software being nice that is the, and that is such a red use. herring there's obviously nothing wrong with that that's an i that's one something you do want right and salesforce is actually getting closer to have some software that you'd actually want to use yeah <laughs> Slowly I'm just but saying, i mean i i, I don't want to dismiss requirements like that to say hey yeah we want it to be functional but we also want it to look good and be enjoyable to use and easy to use i i don't i don't want to dismiss that no it's it's all it's all important but i they they can get out of balance though that's what i'm saying like for the past year, I feel like it's everything's been focused on demo, the demo factor. It, there's going to be a big imbalance, at least for now, because I mean, you know, sales reps—they're not going to want to demo the old, the old classic UI. They're going to want demo the the lightning experience. Sure. If they get a client knocking on the door, they're like, "Hey, let me show you this. This is awesome. This is what we do." Right. And then they call up John DeSanta or Good Days. We'll say Good Days for <laughs> Consulting. <laughs> And and the client says, "Hey, I saw this great demo. Let's do this. Yeah, I want you guys to help us implement this." And we go and look at the requirements and go, "Oh, sorry. You gonna you can maybe use this page here, but then you have to switch out to go to here, and you have to do this. And you know, it's it's going to be tough for a while." Yeah, I mean, that's one of those things. It, again, they like we talked about. It had to be done. You have to start somewhere. It's better they're doing they're rolling it out in kind of a module at a time versus um, trying to do a big bang, which would have never worked. Yeah. So, so anyways, I don't know how we got in that tangent, but well, the process builder. Well, yeah. And the process builder, they are fixing the kind of UI confusion that I had earlier on, which with the, uh, how to create a new record and, or update fields and things like that. They made that a little bit better. Um, security, you have a new login. That's be, that's to be expected. Well, I have three login choices right now. I'll go to Salesforce page and I can either log in with my, I guess my Salesforce login, my Dreamforce <laughs> login, my, um, what was the other one? Uh, some other login type you can log in with. I'm like, wow, this is, yeah. Well, this isn't that. It's just okay. a clean. It's just a cleaner Salesforce Lightning experience styled login page. Oh, okay. Complete with a 
with a big area reserved for advertising. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Which you can't turn off, even though you're a paying customer. Yeah, we can't have, we can't not have that. (laughs) How are people going to know about our great new stuff? Or Dreamforce. Yeah. That's what, that's right now, all that's, all you see is advertising of how to justify Dreamforce to your boss. Exactly. (laughs) (sighs) They have some interesting things with the security. Um, for login as a new user, I guess there was some kind of hole in the security model where someone could log in as someone else and authorize an OAuth access. So I guess they could technically kind of back in, get access to all their stuff all the time. Yep. Um, which I'm not sure how that gap fits into things because really only admins can do that. And if someone outside of your organization has access to that admin account, then logging in as someone else is, I don't know, it's just either way, it's there. It's to fill a gap. Um, but you can now um, see the location of users. Approximate. Based on IP address? Yeah. yeah. I guess, so, I'll, be, I guess I'll be turning on my, um, my proxy server from now on then. Now, for some consulting partners that try to hide that they, that they, where their resources are located or try to hide you know, who's doing, actually doing what, that, that might shed some light on things. Did you? They're trying to hide where what's located, John? Uh, people resources. <laughs> you said resources. <laughs> I've, I've walked out of meetings when I got called a resource. You're a resource, Jeremy. <laughs> Deal with it. I'd call uh, you a hammer, but you're more of a screwdriver. Anyways, you lose. Um, you can set up some policies now. I'm not sure how that works. I'd have to see it and play around with it. What kind of policies? Uh, you're supposed to be able to set some kind of criteria or something around around login policy. So I, I, I'm guessing here, I haven't seen it, I'm not sure, but I'm guessing like you could say if they logged in from this location or this many times, you know, made three attempts and they're not in our network or something, you know, flag it. And so it just gives you another way to try to manage your security, although that's probably a higher up enterprise feature. I'm not sure any of the small SMBs are going to go to that level, but it's there. Deployments. You want to talk about deployments? It's no, a, not deployments. Development. We talked okay. about deployment. Yeah. Let's talk about development. Let's okay. talk about the. Let's talk about them trying to get me into Eclipse again. <laughs> I, I've written off Eclipse, and now I gotta try to go back to it because none of the other tools support well, this. Are you, are you willing to pay for the debugging fee? I saw that, and I don't know what that means. Yeah, it's going to cost. Is is it going to cost, or are they just saying that? Because apparently, it takes a lot of server resources. They're saying, and so if you want to use it, it's going to be it's going it's going to be a fee. Is that what that meant, though? Didn't it say that? And that's I saw that on Twitter as well. Hmm. People saying that. I mean, you can suppose you can kind of debug. The problem is, is I mean, I guess I don't know. So now I'm either going to have to use the the developer console or Eclipse. Well, we didn't really say what we we're talking about. We just started debugging, right? Tents. Debugging the they, ability to to debug set breakpoints, see see the call stack, see the variables in that call stack, and what their current values and state yeah. are. At the so point of that well, breakpoint. Welcome to 1968. We can now debug our code again. <laughs> I thought I saw, I don't even know if this is in the release notes, but I thought I saw a reference to VBA when they talked about that. I don't know. Yeah, so it's, rem- it's remote debugging. It's basically, you know, it's, it's connecting to a debugging session on the server and you can step through, you know, typical, you know, breakpoint, step through, whatever. Yeah. I, I can totally live without it though. I mean, just write good tests. That's all, you know. If you have something failing, write a te- fix your test. Write a test that shows what the problem is. I mean, there are th- there are certain situations where it's nice to have a debugger. 
or yeah. quick and dirty, just like steps through the, through something to see what's happening. But generally, if your tests are written well enough, you, it eliminates 90% of the cases where you would need to have a debugging session. Uh, well, I mean, if I'm saving a record and something's overwrite my changes, that's where it might come in handy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, it's, that was a general statement. But in, in general, like you know, they say, if, you, if you're finding yourself in a debugger a lot, that's generally a smell. Could just be you're working on a crappy platform, but either that or you're doing something wrong, you know, usually. Are you working with a bunch of other developers <laughs> on a large team and, you well, know? Which is, well, I could, and if they're not, if you, again, if it, if it comes down to the, you know, the code and the tests and if they're not being done right, or if you've got a team where everyone's kind of doing their own thing and people don't know how to write tests or whatever, then yeah, it's, a, it's a smell. Spending a lot of time in a debugger may not be the best way to fix that. I'm excited about it. I you, like debug tools. I can't tell if you're being facetious or not sarcastic. I'm not. I okay. like debug tools. Yeah. I, I, they help. Yeah. Like, like I said, when you need it, it's good. I'm, I'm, <clears> sometimes I don't think, I don't I'm, think I'm going to be forking over Sometimes I do, do something stupid and I expect a certain value to be in there. It turns out I, ra- I mapped the wrong variable to another variable and everything's messed up. How do you think? How do you think or this? in one case I had recently, <clears throat> my math wasn't coming out. Turns out that I set the scale on some decimals further down the chain and they were all rounding, you know, numbers that i needed for accuracy and i screwed everything up i wonder how this helps uh, developer evangelism like trying to get more developers into the salesforce world hey come over here we have, deb- we have debugging but it'll cost you <laughs> <laughs> no debug for you yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean uh, i'm not gonna use eclipse but now, are they still working on that that plugin eclipse plugin yeah. still being developed i didn't know if it was yeah, they just they recently it, open sourced it. So well for the second time. And what I wondered is it is it actually still open source? Like, is there can is there a GitHub where you can actually see them working on it and things, or is it? I would think yeah. so. I, I've I've kind of stopped paying attention to Eclipse for a while because I've been on to other tools. Last time they said they open sourced it, they threw it out on a SourceForge and just it just sat there and kind of died. Like they weren't actually working on it in the open. They just threw a specific. That version wasn't really out there. like open source. That was just kind of like here's our source code for this. Uh, yeah, and people people misuse the word open source. I think yeah. the term. This, I think this is an official open source project and they are maintaining it and you can see all the branches and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I literally don't even have Eclipse on my computer at all. I don't either. Yeah. In fact, I think I had to recently and then I took it back off. Not for any other reason, just that I just don't use it. So I don't want to sit in there. Well, for all the Java stuff, I use IntelliJ exclusively. So I just, yeah. Uh, Speaking of IDEs, uh, Cloud9 is... Getting ready to release theirs, finally, I think. I think, finally. Two, oh, shoot, it's 2006, and that was t- 2012? Once upon a time, I went to Dreamforce, to the developer zone, and came across uh, Brain Engine and Cloud9, and they were doing demos of their supposedly co- soon-to-be-released um, IDE for Salesforce. Yeah. And I followed it. I tried looking at the project. Um, they, they already supported Heroku and things like that. And so, they, of course, they had Heroku and Salesforce in their tags of, you know, these are the companies using our software. Um, but I never saw the ID come to fruition. But recently, I got an email saying, hey, this is getting close. And so, I signed up for the beta. So, we'll see if I get accepted into the beta and I can look at it and see what it's like. I mean, did you ever try Brain Engine? Well, this, this is Cloud9 that's doing this. I, Brain Engine was the one we talked about previously and it has that kind of very visual studio like look and feel yep um so i'm, I'm curious about cloud nine because it's supposed to be a little more cla- well i'm not saying brain engine isn't collaborative because i think they've added a bunch of that stuff but cloud nine the value that i saw in that at the time was that it was all web-based you can 
collaboration, I believe, don't quote me on this, but I believe like it was almost like a Google Docs type collaboration. Yeah, that's what they started with was that yeah. collaboration. So, so I'm hopeful. I mean, it's going to be a uh, pay to play product basically, but yeah. I mean, if someone actually wrote something that was worth paying for, I would totally buy it. I just haven't seen it yet. It's the right one. Because, I mean, right now, the state of tooling <laughs> for Salesforce is, you know, it's not great. It's tough because, I mean, there's only so much you can do outside. I mean, because you're, re- you're reliant on Salesforce to do the compile and everything else. Yeah, so. I mean, I haven't even seen, there. I, I've never even seen a system that actually had a, you know, correct parsing of the, the generation of an abstract abstract syntax tree. I don't even think of the Eclipse plugin does that. I mean, it just, it completely con- it gets conf- confuses itself on where you're at in a statement and what it should highlight in terms of where, you know, a literal started and ended. It just, it, you know, it's constantly just crapping itself. It's like, it happens. So it's, it's, ob- it's obviously just trying to do some kind of basic parsing, but it's not, um, it's not anything at the level that like a typical language parser would do. Um, well, cause you don't have access to that locally. So there's, I mean, if you there's less, there's less that it can do to help you. It's it's kind of like I have to look at this text and infer a bunch of things. So if there was a formal definition of Apex syntax, you, you could actually, I mean, you could write your own, you could write a parser to do that. Or, and I'm sure that probably people have tried. In fact, I mean, Brain Engine might have that. They might have a, a legit parser that builds up an AST that that the ID uses in order to be able to do legit. Um, you know what's it called? Completion and, and mm-hmm. just understand what what you're doing, and you know it it semantically understands everything in your code. Yeah, I mean they all have that, but I think it's all homegrown. No, they don't have that. No, they have to. No, they don't. Maven's mate doesn't have anything close. If that's what you're talking about, it's not even close. It's it's just it looks for repeated. Like if you've typed a word before, it keeps it almost it keeps like a dictionary of, of words that you've typed. Um, no, I think Brain Engine tries. I think Brain Engine has that, and I think it tries to to be a little bit smarter. And also, like you know, the way that. The way that systems do things like autocomplete is they're they're linking directly against the, your library, whether it's the C sharp or the .NET CLR or the or the Java libraries that ship with it. That's where they're they're hooking into all that yeah. those libraries to know what what classes, what packages, what methods, all that stuff is all the data types, right? Salesforce, you don't have that. Yeah, you, you don't have anything to link against or to to reference. So how would you do that? And it's risky to try to. I mean, you, well, you, you could, would have to you build it reverse yourself. engineer it, right? You can manually do it. Exactly. You have to but it's constantly it. changing, right? It's, it's constantly <laughs> changing. You have to maintain it. <laughs> and you're gonna you're just gonna screw up so many things, and it's it's so error prone to just you know what do you do? Go through documentation and just start typing method names in and stuff into your system. All I say is, despite <laughs> all of those limitations, I am so glad that there are people out there who are willing to take that challenge and build stuff. Yeah, because otherwise I wouldn't have well, tools I, like, like I said. I haven't seen Maven's Mate or Cloud well, Nine or Brain it. Engine. It doesn't do it. Maven's Mate just it's a text editor with a um, it's a Sublime text editor, right? And it's got it's got the the Maven's Mate thing that kind of sits beside it and will you know do deployments for you and pull code down and stuff. But what it, what it can actually do in the editor is very limited. It's not it's not Maven's Mate's fault. It's just that there's the tooling is not available. Salesforce it doesn't expose that to you. Yeah, and I guess all I'm saying is that despite all that, they're still out there trying to make it better, yeah, absolutely. trying to make yeah. development I mean, enjoyable, right. and I appreciate that. Yeah. Hell, I mean, Maven's Mate even kind of tongue-in-cheek says, your deployment's going to take a while. Here's some games you can play. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, although, I wonder, I sometimes play them, but... Well, John, we're an hour and a half in. Any, any other uh, high points, important things we want to cover? 
for the two people who are probably still listening at this point. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we got through my list of the release notes. We didn't get to too much of the lightning stuff, but there's so much information on the experience. Everyone's kind of consuming that information. It, there's, I'll put these in the release notes, but there's information on the, the Aura framework if you really want to get that low level on, on all that kind of stuff. There's a lightning FAQ that has some highlights on some things. Uh, the, winter, the release notes for Winter 16 has a pretty extensive breakdown with screenshots of the UI, so you can go in there and see things and see what, what's going to be there, what's not going to be there. There's even tables of, with a bunch of check marks, I guess, comparison tables mm. that say, okay, this is going to be in lightning, and this is not going to be in lightning, and here's what you should consider. So that information's there. You just got to be out there and consuming it. Um, so yeah, those are my final thoughts. And to that, I say, good day, sir. You lose. You get nothing. Good day, sir. That's a clown question, bro. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. <laughs>